This is the Honey Badger Diaries episode 19. My name is Arno van Widem. I interview Bitcoiners about the Corona crisis because I find that interesting. You can find all of the episodes on the honeybadgerdiaries.com. You can find me on at Aaron Van W on Twitter. Or you can find the podcast's Twitter handle on THB Diaries. At THB Diaries. I'm gonna make this the shortest intro so far because yesterday you got the longest intro so far. My guest is Marcel Peckman from Brazil. He explains who he is in the interview, so I don't have to. Now you hear my interview. Oh, I was so close. I was so close. I was <laughs> I was so close to doing it in one take, and then I stumbled. Damn it. <sighs> His name is Marcel Pechman. I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna edit this out. I, I didn't edit this interview at all. I usually edit it a little bit. <laughs> oh man, I'm already stretching the intro again. His name is Marcel Pechman. He's from Brazil. That's all you need to know. You'll hear my intro tune, and then the interview will start. These are the Honey Badger Diaries. The Honey Badger Diaries. And we are recording. That's my unofficial intro for the YouTube uh, viewers. Just my first words are always, and we are recording. The podcast listeners have uh, have their own intro. But um, Marcel, thanks for being on. My pleasure, Aaron. Welcome to the Honey Badger Diaries. Uh, we've never met. I don't think we've ever met, right? No, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I don't. I'm not in uh, Brazil very often. I've never been in Brazil. Um, maybe uh, I think a lot of my listeners might not know who you are. So let's mm-hmm. start with, um, who are you? Please sure. introduce yourself. Okay, Aaron. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Marcel. Uh, I am Brazilian. Uh, I worked in the financial industry, uh, equities, sales and trading for almost 20 years. So I worked at UBS, Deutsche Bank, UBS, Pactual, Safra, so I have a background of, uh, I'm not an economist. Uh, I'm a trader in sales. Uh, I have a relation in BA, business administration. So I joined uh, Bitcoin in 2017, uh, mostly because of my brother who also lives in Netherlands. Oh, really? Uh, he's Brazilian, but he lives in Europe for, the, has been living there for the past 10 years. Do you know where he uh, lives? Which city? Uh, he, he lives in The Hague. Right. The Hague. Uh, he trades oil there and he, he was uh, telling me about uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and he was really excited and said, well, there's amazing potential and you, are, you also have a financial background plus you used to work in IT, you used to be a coder. So that's a perfect fit for you. You should study, should study that. And after some time I gave in, I said, well, the thing was like $500 six months ago. Now it's a thousand dollars. So maybe let's have a look. Maybe it's worth the time. So you said 2017, but it sounds like you didn't get in at the top. You were in time. He started telling me uh, in 2016, in fact. And I was all the time, no, if it doesn't have a central authority, it's not going to work. Uh, I don't think there's, we should be spending time with it. So it took me at least six months just to have a look, the first look and see what, what's happening here. 
So in 2017, I digged in and I went down the rabbit hole and it led me to write for, uh, just like you did, to Cointelegraph. Uh, I'm an editorial writer there. I also write for uh, Portal do Bitcoin, which is the major outlet here in Brazil. And I do some consulting work for exchanges as well here in Brazil. Right. Yeah, I worked for Cointelegraph back in, I think, 2014, 15 for a little while. Yeah, I've, I have read some of your material. Also right. on Bitcoin Magazine, of course. Here. And where are you in Brazil? Uh, I'm located in Mato Grosso do Sul, which is like the Midwestern. It's like the Texas of Brazil. People here mostly raise cattle and uh, grains and stuff. Uh, it's a large city for European and American uh, measures. We have 900,000 inhabitants. But for Brazil, it's not even one of the top 10 cities. Right. Okay, I usually start my podcast with a sort of recap of what's been going on in Brazil since the outbreak of the virus. Um, I want to keep it short because for a lot of countries it's sort of similar, but let's start there. What has been happening in Brazil so far? Okay, so I think uh, during Carnival, which is a really huge uh, holiday here in Brazil, most likely government already had an idea that something wrong was happening abroad. Uh, but they, they decided it, it would be more important for the economy because all the hotels were booked, all the, the, the cruises and stuff like this were coming to Brazil. And they said, well, just let it happen. Uh, so after the carnival, which ended uh, early March, uh, government quickly changed the attitude and said, well, hey, uh, we got a limit inbound in flights from China and Italy where things are starting to get more serious uh, because they know that our uh, public, we have a public health system. Uh, It's basically free for everyone, but uh, it really doesn't, uh, can't handle that much uh, inflow. And even uh, like 30 to 40% of the people who have uh, spare money, they pay private insurance companies and private health. Because they know that if they have a problem, they won't be able to count with the public insurance. Yeah. Do, so, you, think, do you think a lot of people got infected during Carnival? Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. That's interesting sure. because the same thing happened in the Netherlands. In the Netherlands, we have half the country celebrates Carnival and the other half doesn't. Sort of the, right. the South has Carnival. But it's very different from Brazilian carnival. I imagine. It's just drunk people with silly suits. I don't go there. I'm from the north. I don't bother with any of that. But in the south, I do it. And now in the south, that's the big outbreak area of uh, coronavirus. So it was definitely a lot of infections during carnival. Yeah. And another interesting uh, thing that I should point out is that uh, the first confirmed case uh, were most like most of them were in Sao Paulo, which is the business center of Brazil, and uh, all of them working in financial markets because it's people who travel abroad a lot to New York, to Italy, to Spain, or to China to do business. So it's interesting to see that uh, the spread in Brazil has become came from the rich people to the poor people because right. you have maids who work at your home uh, you have people who work in your building uh, to clean the building and stuff like this so the rich people transmitted the virus to poor people now it's in, even in the favelas which are the, the slums where people live and keep in mind that 50 uh, percent of the brazilian population 
do not have access to sewage. Fifty half the country doesn't have half sewage. of the country. Yeah, I, I would say twenty percent of them live in urban, uh, um, not 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 big cities, rural countries. So maybe they would never have access to sewage. They have their own solutions. But there's like thirty percent of the population who lives in big cities, big cities, mid to large cities, and they don't have sewage. So. Right. That's a, that, that's a, that sounds shocking to me. That's way more than I thought. Like I said, I've never been to Brazil. I guess I'm not an expert on Brazil, but half of the country. Um, I, is your president, do they call him the tropical Trump? Yeah. Uh, is, that, is that what they call him? Yeah, he's, he's, he, have a, he has a mentality close to, to, to Trump. Uh, he believes he knows everything. So he's not even following the Minister of Health recommendation. He's even thinking about firing the guy during the crisis, uh, but he also has a military background. So he, he always believes in his mind that the militaries can solve any kind of issue, even mm. health issue. Mm. And the chloroquine medicine used in malaria, uh, here in Brazil, the army produces this medicine because uh, there are always officials that are going to Amazon yeah, you and actually have the malaria problem, of course. We have the malaria problem. Right. So he's pushing this agenda pro-chloroquine. Doesn't matter what the health minister or research says. So he has a, uh, he, he's like Trump in this sense. Yeah, okay. You think he's pushing that solution for economic reasons because it's produced in Brazil? Or is that not what you're saying? No, he just wants people to, be, to feel safe and go back to work. That, that's what he wants to do. Right, I see. Yeah, I saw a clip on uh, somewhere, a Dutch show, I think, where he was bragging that the coronavirus wouldn't affect him because he had such an athletic background. Uh, Maybe he was like 20 to 30 years ago, but that's not the truth nowadays. Definitely not. Was he a football player? No, he used to do the pentathlon in the army. Mm. I thought all Brazilians, you you only get your passport if you know how to play football, right? Soccer, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, but, okay, uh, and I think at first he had a... We, we have another, another uh, interesting uh, characteristic about Brazil. I don't know about Netherlands, but here it's very usual for people to live like eight to ten people in the same house, in a small house, especially if you live in a, a poor region. So just telling people to stay at home, well, their grandparents, their kids... Um, it's, it's not going to work because, uh, I don't know, maybe in the United States it's very usual for people to live alone by themselves or a, a single couple with one or two kids. That's not what happened in Brazil. Like, I would say 50% of the population lives in house with five or more people from different generations. So is that a solution? I don't know. Yeah, that, sound, that sounds like it complicates things, doesn't it? E- yeah. Even home quarantine will be very tricky then. Yeah, if your kids yeah. go out, for sure. Um, I think. So I, I usually do like half an hour of research, to be honest. That's that's all I do for every podcast. But the other thing I found was um, the at first the president had a, uh, I, what do you call it, a slogan. Um, for, Denial. Well, the Brazil cannot stop mm-hmm. sort of a campaign. That's the word I was looking yeah. for. Yeah, yeah. But then they flip-flopped and now they're taking it quite serious, I think. Yeah, because some of the governors, like Sao Paulo governor, he said, well, 
that's crazy. I, I'm going to tell people I can make laws in my state and people are going to stay home because I listen to the, the doctors here and they're telling me that things are going to get pretty sure, serious and we don't have ventilators. We don't have internal care uh, beds for everyone. So it's, it's not going to happen. And he even got a, a, state, a soccer stadium and made some change in order to, to get patients there. I, I don't think it's still being used, but he made sure that uh, the best that the state could provide is, is being done. And on the other hand, Bolsonaro is probably uh, uh, concerned about being reelected or his image, and he wants things to, to go back to normal. So my question is, are we gonna go ever back to normal? Yeah, let's get to that in a bit. What is the current situation in Brazil, lockdown-wise? Is there a full lockdown, or what's the... Uh, for, for example, in the city that I live in, Campo Grande, Mato Grosso do Sul, uh, there's curfew time. Uh, by night, everybody has to be at home, uh, and only some kind of uh, shops uh, can be open for business. Uh, supermarkets, uh, drugstores, uh restaurants and food uh stuff but uh other than that most of the retail shops are either closed or only working with deliveries right and is it working what do you know what the status is in the hospitals or with cases or uh we have a thousand people dead already uh the hospitals are not yet uh at full capacity but lots of the doctors and nurses are already starting to get sick. So uh, I have a friend who is a how do you say, dermatologist. She works part-time for the government and she was called to work in a regular hospital. Despite being a dermatologist, she doesn't even know what this disease means or how to treat it. But they say, well, you work for the government, you're a doctor, come here. Even uh, if you are in the last year of university, of uh, medicine, you are being called out to help. As yeah, well. anyone with at least three years of medical school is now called in, basically. Yeah. 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 So uh, first, uh, this sounds uh, a desperate solution. Uh, this doesn't sound like uh, they're. Uh, how can I say? Bolsonaro is sending like twenty play twenty planes in different times to China to get supplies. And they're afraid that United States are going to confiscate the items uh, when they uh, refill the tanks in Europe or Africa. So, Sorry, what? Uh, Bolsonaro is sending some planes to China. Mm -hmm. He bought some ventilators and masks and stuff like this. And he, the government is afraid that the United States or Europe will seize the items when the plane refills the tank because the plane can't make from China to Brazil at in one flight. So oh. it has to refill in, in either Africa or Europe, I don't know. Uh, and Bolsonaro is afraid that the, the other governments are gonna steal our, our items. Is that, a, is that a legitimate concern? That sounds yeah, yeah. like, sure. you think yeah, so? I, that sounds like warlike situation type uh, of concern. It's happening, man, it's happening. Some planes that were going to Canada were di diverted to the U US. And this, this already happened in the world. It's not something uh, specific for Brazil. Really? I had not heard of that. That sounds in, insane. Uh, in Brazil, for example, the, let's say a judge uh, gave a ruling saying that uh, workers on this federal building should have masks all the time. 
So he gives a, a mandate, I don't I know how to say English, uh, to the police, so the mandate. police can, can go to whatever uh, factory or industry and seize the masks and give to the employers of this building. So now the doctors uh, are, are appealing to the Supreme Court and saying, hey, you cannot do this. Uh, there are federal agents uh, invading the hospital and stealing our masks to give to another kind of working business. I don't care what it is, but they cannot seize from the hospital or from our supplier. So it's crazy. It is crazy. I've heard similar stories from the States as well. Yeah, that is, so that's happening in Brazil as well. That mm -hmm. is absolutely nuts. All right, let's get to um, more of your specialty, I, I think. Let's get to the economic situation. Okay. And I'm just going to start with an open question. What, is, what do you see going on? Maybe well, start with, well, start wherever you want. Uh, economics in Brazil ha have always been uh, really dependent on government. Uh, we call it uh, social democratic, whatever, but the bank, the, the government owns directly or indirectly like 40% of the, 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 com the companies here in Brazil and about a third of the banks, uh, either by a controlling stake or by a, a government bank. Uh, so well, Yeah, that sounds like a lot that's you're you're halfway to socialism yeah we're halfway today yeah government owns like 30 to 40 percent of all the assets all the lands all the buildings all the companies and uh it, it used to be worse uh we had a dictatorship dictatorial regime by the by the army not so long ago like 60 years ago and Six, they were the one 16, 16 years ago, 60, in the, in the, zero. yeah, in the, it was during the sixties here in Brazil, 1960s. Right. We have a dictatorship uh, by the army and most of Latin America, we had this. Sure. Uh, so during that time, they, they built lots of uh, government backed companies like uh, mining companies, uh, like steel plants and hydro thermic. So basically, 80% of the energy in Brazil, it's mostly hydro and a little bit of coal, uh, belongs to the government. Uh, both the production of energy and electricity and the transmission, 80% of it. Uh, there has been some privatizations over the last 20 years or so, but it's still mostly only by government. So. I don't think there's a way out for us saying, well, uh, government shouldn't intervene, uh, let the market handle it itself, because at our current situation, it's not gonna work. Because like, as I said, a uh, lot of the large companies are heavily dependent on either special credit financing by government. We have a bank, which is called uh, Development Bank, BNDS. Uh, which basically selects some uh, companies that they think they're relevant for the economy and they give them a credit line for 10 years or 20 years with an interest rate like 2% per year. Whereas a, a, a normal Brazilian company would pay like 80%, 8% per year for the same um, amount and probably not a 10 year or 20 year extension. Uh, so we live in a, as you, as you said, partially socialist country. Uh, we have a, a program that's called uh, Bolsa Familia, which is for low-income families. 
and 25 million people are awarded like $100 a month in, in this program. And this, been going, this has been going on for 20 years. And if one day some uh, president says, well, we're going to shut it down because it's been running for 20 years and it's supposed just to, to help these families to, to grow and stand on their own feet, they're going to get killed. Nobody will uh, approve some kind of measure like this. And when and you said they would get killed, you probably mean literally they would get killed. Or not. not really, but, but they will be instantly uh, uh, impeached because right. the, se the Senate and the Congress wants to be uh, voted. So they want to tell the people, wow, we voted against this guy. We impeached this guy. We want it back. We want to help you. So the best way of getting votes in Brazil is doing a, a local uh, financial incentive program. So I'm the government who built this hospital and this school and made this happen. So. Brazilians don't understand that government money is, came from our taxes and from our own work. And not only that, Brazilians think that uh, if you want a corporate, if you want a company, even if it's five person or 500 person, you're the devil. You're exploring these people who earn like minimum wage in Brazil is $300, a little bit less, $250. So they think, oh, we're exploiting this guy for $250. That's why you're rich. And uh, he would have an, a job with or without you. Uh, he could do some cooperative stuff or the government could finance him so he could open his own shop. Uh, but there's also another interesting characteristic about Brazil. F uh, over 50% of the population work for a small or medium company up to 50%, sorry, up to 50% uh, people working on this company. Mm -hmm. uh, so we are not that uh, rep dependent on large companies. Maybe our economy could work only with smaller and medium companies. But the, 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 as you know, government uh, likes to fund big companies, not a small guy. So that, I don't think that's gonna change. And our economy is getting to a, a halt. Right. The so very, very socialist structure, very socialist mindset as well. And I'm guessing now with the lockdowns, like in every country, unemployment is probably soaring. Bars have to close. So how is the government dealing with that? Well, uh, the government, uh, just like the United States, uh, is getting some incentive programs. Like if you don't fire your employees, I'm going to give you a special credit line and stuff like this. But it's, it's only going to last two or three months. And we don't know how long the lockdown will take. And besides uh, our financial situations, in, in, especially in the cities, are not going well. In Campo Grande, where I live, for example, uh, for the current month of April, government only has money to pay 60% of the employees. And keep in mind that uh, we have like, I don't know, 4 million people who work for the government directly or indirectly. And in some cities, it's like 100% of the population that has a job works for the government. So if the government, right. government doesn't send the check, the system collapses. So there's no way other than printing money. Yeah. Yeah, they got uh, they got to pay for their socialism, and now they got to pay for the unemployment and the new economic downturn. Mm -hmm. And they're doing that. They're gonna do that with the the money. Yeah, uh, 
first, first they're going to sell all the assets they can. As I said, we have Brazilian banks, we have Brazilian uh, energy companies, we have a Brazilian condom factory, any kind of... The government has a condom factory? The government has a condom factory, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. We, we, yes, it is crazy. It sounds crazy. We even have a, a TV channel, government TV channel production with people uh, getting like, paid $20,000 per month to create content for the government and stuff like this. There are many crazy jobs like this. That, that craziness we have here as well, I must say. But but not a, a condom factory. But yeah, we have a, the sort of Dutch celebrities that are pay, overpaid by the government to be on TV. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, uh, uh, the, let, let, let's... The average, the average uh, salary for uh, an analyst uh, or for, uh, I don't know, any uh, regular person who works for the government here, it's like seven times larger than the private industry. Right. <laughs> okay, so what is this going to look like in the, in the next couple of weeks, months? Do you expect to see a lot of inflation in Brazil? No, the same thing as the United States. Uh, even if the, the, the companies have financing at zero, zero percent real rates, uh, and if the, the banks have money to, to lend, there's no demand because no one is buying anything. No, nobody's changing houses, cars, buying clothes. No one is, uh, people are, people that have money are buying stocks because this, our stock market collapsed at like 40% and now recovered another 15%. But people who have money are, are not gonna, oh, I'm gonna add another plant or another capacity or a Volkswagen is gonna build another factory. That's not gonna happen because there's not real demand. So I don't think there'll be inflation at, on this first moment if government injects money now. And I don't, as I said, we're a socialist country. People believe that's the, that's the best solution. And we don't have another way out. Right now, we gotta put food on the table for the people because if they're, st they're starved, it's gonna be even worse for the country. So I don't think inflation is gonna be a problem right now. And another important thing is that uh, government was already starting to perceive Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, uh, not as an enemy, but as a, as a competitor. So what have they done? They said, okay, we're gonna start our own uh, uh, instant payment transfer system where any financial startup uh, can give you an account, uh, account number, and can transact directly with the government 24 hours, seven days a week. So they don't need access to banks. So if, the pro uh, if, the, if a bank doesn't give access to a, f a FinTech, we can grant them directly. So government's starting to see, to realize that people want faster transactions and they, they're gonna need this now to give this money for the, the poor guy in order for him to buy groceries. At the end so of that the would month. essentially be central bank money, base money. Yeah, I mean, fiat money. Products. Yeah, on a more user-friendly uh, uh, pathway without the need of the banks. The banks are gonna be one of the one of the nodes connected to the, to the central bank. Yes, exactly. Okay, wait, but, one step back and then we'll get to okay. this, uh, this proposal, or it's not even a proposal, it sounds. They're actually doing it? Uh, no, it's a proposal. It's under, uh, it's under development, but it's going to be done by September. Right. 
so hang on the other thing you mentioned is that you don't expect inflation but you do expect that the new money will end up in the stock market it's going to prop up the stock market it's going to prop up the economy in that sense right yeah uh as i as i said earlier i used to work for banks and uh, handle money for institutional investors and one thing that uh, shocked me was that sometimes those listed companies at at our bovespa with our 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 stock market they would they would get uh, credit lines from for government the cheap cheap ones like for 100 million reais for 10 year term they would get this money and instead of uh, buying equipment or uh, uh, or uh, in adding more jobs they'll just put the money in the stock market it's crazy so they give the money to a, get the money from the government at 2% and invest the money in a bank at 5 or 4 or 5% and that's it so i think that the money is going to go in, to the economy but we, we're not going to see uh, a effect effect of growth yeah that's not going to happen you mentioned and you mentioned earlier in the interview that 50% of brazilians don't have sewer and now yeah. the stock market is being propped up for i'm guessing billions or whatever it is is this something brazilians are starting to notice or is it some is it just something people don't understand or what's your impression we had in the 80s and the 90s a lot of banks going bankrupt and government just uh handed money and cash to save those banks uh it was on the news on the newspapers but people just said well that's what governments do they're going to help the the big corp- corporates and banks and there's nothing we can do about it basically the brazilian uh, gave up long ago uh, trying to change things. Uh, that's the truth. Right, I see. Okay, let's get back to this uh, e-currency. So they're building it. It's going to be base money for... Uh, what's the Brazilian co- uh, currency called? It's Brazilian real. Real. Uh, each Brazilian real now, you can exchange five Brazilian reais for one dollar. It right. used to be like three Brazilian reais for one dollar one year and a half ago, two right. years ago. And this new currency basically would be reals. They would be one pegged one to one. They would be. It's not a new currency. It's just an uh, optional way of uh, flowing the money. Yeah, I get. Yeah, because it's, it's it's digital cash. In, yeah, it's digital cash. But way. but the old cash would the old system for now would remain working. It's yeah, I, a, I would I would assume Brazil is a very cash based economy, or not. Uh, if you go to a supermarket or a drugstore, 50% of the purchases are made in cash. Yeah. Right. So what effect do you think this would have, if any? What do you expect of this? I think there are some fintechs uh, are doing an interesting job on uh, lending stuff. Uh, for example, I can give my car, my automobile, as a insurance for a loan directly with a fintech and the banks don't offer this service, for example. Mm-hmm. So new products are being developed, uh, centralized, of course, uh, using fiat money, of course, but it's better than the, the, the older way. If I go to a bank right now and get a loan, I'm gonna pay 200%, 200% interest rate per year. It's crazy. Wait, if you get a loan for like a new home or something like that? No, no, not for, uh, uncollateralized. I just want 10,000 reais to, to, I don't know, to remodel my house. Right. I'm going to pay 200% per year. 
if I'm going to finance a house, so the house is the guarantee for the loan, it's going to be like 12, 14% per year. Yeah. Well, that's still massive, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, do, do Brazilians use Bitcoin a lot? You, you mentioned the government kind of considers it a competitor. Is it, is Bitcoin a thing in Brazil? Is it big? Is it small? No, it's small. Uh, in August last year, 2019, uh, government made a ruling saying that every exchange or large peer to peer, uh, transaction should be reported, uh, to the IRS. By the end of the month, even if you moved like 0.001 Bitcoin or if you bought 10 reais or if you sold 20 reais worth of Bitcoin, uh, the exchange or the OTC should report every single client, every single transaction to the IRS. And they release the data uh, as we change the year. For, so we have data for the past four or five months. On average, 300,000 companies or people traded uh, cryptocurrencies per month. So we have a population of 200 million thousand and we have 300,000 accounts, either corporate accounts or individual accounts trading Bitcoin. So it's right. relatively less, small. Less than a percent, right? Or did I miscalculate that? Uh, 300, so 300,000. And you said 200 million? 200 million. So that... Wait, that's more than a percent. It's 0.1%. Uh, I'm yeah. pretty good at math, but not when I have to do it live, when I know I'm being recorded. It's 0.1%. It's really low. But keep in mind that 60% of the population basically live uh, with uh, government social workers or social programs or uh, benefits, or they live in slums. Like 60% of the population is really, really poor. So yeah, sure. uh, Maybe they have a cell phone, they have a smartphone, but they don't have any, any savings. Uh, they're only paying debts. Uh, all the money that they, any money they receive is just to buy food and stuff like this. They probably, they won't, they won't be using uh, cryptocurrency anytime soon. I don't think so. Right. What do you think of, um, what do you expect of the international sort of macroeconomic situation? Okay, uh, so first of all, uh, we have to understand that this, this figures trillions of dollars. The United States debt just went to 26 trillions of dollars. The, the, the Fed balance sheet just increased from 4 billion to 6, from 4, 4 trillion to 6 trillion. These figures will never be repaid. There, there's there's just, just no way. So, but on the other side, who, who holds the treasures? Who holds the, the money that ought to be paid? And other countries like uh, England or uh, Europe or China uh, and large wealth individuals. So it, it just just tell the United States, well, we, we, we want to get paid part of this cash now or we won't be accept, accepting dollars because you are printing money. So you used to own, a, like, own us a trillion dollars. Now you, you got to own 10% more because you just printed more money. That, that's not going to happen because it's not good for any of the parts. It's a, it's a shitty situation. Uh, Europe and China are held hostage. That's the right word because uh, they cannot dump their treasures right now. It's a huge position. Japan and China are the largest US treasury holders. Mm -hmm. And the same thing happens for Brazil. Our international reserves are $350 billion. So what happens if United States prints 
two trillion dollars, we just got diluted. Mm-hmm. We, we had like I don't know one percent of the money of the money circulating in the world. Now we have zero point eight percent. We got mm-hmm. diluted. So relatively speaking, Brazil is getting poorer. So for the United States, it's a perfect strategy to just print more money, create more debt, because it's not going to cause inflation in the United States. It's going to cause inflation first in other countries, right? Because their companies are getting money. They can pay a, a higher price for items. Uh, and Brazil doesn't, doesn't have this luxury. Mm-hmm. If, so our, what, gov- if means- our government prints money, we're going to have inflation on the very next day. Yeah, the United States can export its inflation, basically. Yeah. So then why, this may be a beginner question, but I I would like to know the answer. Why then are these other countries like Brazil holding so many dollars? I I have no clue. They they should be holding, I don't know, uh, real estate in other countries or stake in Apple or Amazon or large European companies or... but holding fiat money that the other government can and will print when they have necessity will just bring you down. So it's a stupid thing. You should either hold gold or real assets. I don't know, stakes in companies or whatever, but holding treasuries for a a mere 1% per year or or now it's even less, it's just plain stupidity. You mentioned gold. Let's get to gold. How do you think gold is going to act in all of this? I think gold is the perfect store of value for this first uh, crisis uh, scene that we're watching right now. First, because it have a, over 5,000 years of history. Second, because it, it already has a large market cap of $9 trillion. Uh, and it's also used by another, other central banks as a store of value. So if everybody agrees that gold is a good store of value, you should follow. Just like the United States dollar worked for the past 40 years. Uh, I don't think that Bitcoin is the perfect solution for the governments right now, because even if they start buying at $7,000, then $10,000, then $20,000, then $100,000, then $200,000, they're only going to be able to buy what? 200,000 Bitcoins? It's not... It's not that relevant on a, a, a country that has a $350 billion uh, reserves like Brazil. They're going to inflate the asset 50 times and we'll only be able to buy 200,000 Bitcoins, 300,000 Bitcoins. So it's not, not going to be that relevant for them. For example, do you know how, how much money BlackRock manages or Fidelity? I'm, I'm betting it's a lot, but I don't know the answer now. Four or five trillion dollars each one. Four or five trillion dollars. So if they if they decide, well, let's buy ten percent of our money, seven hundred fifty billion dollars worth of Bitcoin, it's just just not gonna happen because it, you you're gonna make the price go higher and higher and gonna not gonna buy large quantities. Yeah. So for now. It's gold too, makes the more liquidity sense. Liquidity is too shallow. I guess that's the way to put it, right? Or not? Yeah. If you try to buy twenty million dollars, I'm not saying twenty billion. Twenty million dollars of Bitcoin, you're gonna have problem. Right. What about 
for the people then you 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 just explain the government perspective and for them goals might be better but what about you and me and my neighbor and well other people uh, around the world first or first first of all um, people need to understand what money is money is something that uh so it's a social convention okay uh, it used to be shells it used to be salt it used to be uh, sterlings, uh, pounds, it used to be gold. Now it's, it converged to the US dollar after the, the agreement that happened. And I, don't, I think that people need to understand that maybe, uh, we, maybe you don't need money after all. Maybe you can buy, uh, you can tokenize uh, lands and buildings and companies. And, and you, can, you can have real assets, real productive assets, and have lesser money. Why do you need to store $1 million in your bank account? Are you going to spend it over the next two months? Do you spend so much money like that? Well, probably you need to store money because you didn't have a way to buy a tokenized uh, uh, a part of a, a, a land or a building. And now you, we have the digital system needed for that so i think that, that real assets are going to increase in value uh well, i guess i'll get i'll give the counter example and i think the austrian argument would be that cash is like a claim on anything like you could, should be able to buy anything with it and it's a hedge against insecurity in in this into the future so if you have a piece of a building or a piece of land or a building or even if it's tokenized that could still crash in value while cash would i guess presumably hold its value and you can buy anything with it i, I think that would be the argument i'm not as austrian economics uh, no. economics by any means although i do find it interesting i agree with you but the people who uh, believe that us dollar was cash and held their positions in cash just got diluted 12 percent because yes, the but that can't. Base that's because it's a well that's so that's where where uh, that's why I agree halfway with you. I do agree that money is a social convention, but I don't think you, I wouldn't extend that argument to say that it can be anything. Strictly speaking, technically it could maybe be anything, but I also think people will um, be drawn to whatever works best for them. And that's- Oh yeah, no, no, that's for sure. Uh, United States dollar, uh, it works really good for the past 50 years and probably it's going to work for the next two or three but sometime i don't know if it's going to be in two years six months three years this inflation we increase the monetary base and we diluted the inflation with other countries and and the economics the economy is is in recession uh, beginning of recession but at some time uh, this curve is going to flat we're going to have a higher demand with higher money uh, m2 money flowing so the price are gonna go up so at that time people are gonna feel that well i should have bought land i should have bought gold i should have got bitcoin long ago before the prices went up uh so maybe we're gonna see uh depressed gold and bitcoin and real assets uh for the next two years i don't know uh but as soon as inflation starts kicking in people are gonna really understand that the money that they own in the bank it's not worth that much. Mm. So you mentioned the dollar, and the dollar, of course, is the world reserve currency, um, or at least um, 
more or less. I, I guess we can call it that, right? Yeah, forty percent of the reserves of the central banks in the world are dollar denominated, so it's Ex still the leader of the pack. Exactly, which is also then, of course, where a lot of the uh, American empire, American power internationally comes from. I'm not sure if that's the best way to word it. I'm not sure, uh, <laughs> sure if Americans will like it if I put it that way. Why, but, uh, why do you think? Why do you think the dollar is the main reserve? Well, you gotta buy oil somehow, right? No, no. The Russians and the Chinese are not using dollars anymore to buy oil. Well, this would depend where they buy it from, right? If they want to buy it from Saudi Arabia, they definitely mm -hmm. have to use dollars. So, what's what's your answer? Army. Yeah. Well, yes, but what's the army used for? Invading countries that. That don't, don't sell play their, their oil for dollars. No, no, not, not only oil. If Brazil say, well, our exports of coal right now and, uh, and steel are only going to be uh, E1 denominated, the Chinese currency or euros. We don't mm -hmm. accept dollars anymore. What do you think is going to happen with Brazil over the next month? It's going to get invaded. <laughs> and we don't have an army to, to, to withheld for a single day. Uh, the, the bullets that our army has, our army have, can only hold 17, 17 minutes of a fight. It's not even an hour. They're gonna shoot bullets for 17 minutes, then they're out of ammo. Yeah, well, we probably wouldn't make it one minute, but seven, so 17 is pretty good. 17 minutes. I'm not, I'm not sure actually how, how good our army is. That was an assumption, but um, maybe, so maybe the, they're the, better the, than The United States strength, what I, even Bitcoiners don't get it, is the power from the dollar comes from the army. So the day that you, you have enough mercenaries or whatever that you can fight, you can create your own state and say, well, in this country we're using Bitcoin, but we have an army. We have mercenaries that can defend us from, okay, then United States are gonna, not going to mess with you. But other than that, it doesn't matter if it's rebels, if it's UN, if it's Brazilian reais. If you don't have an army, you're going to get invaded. Okay, then let That's me ask the then let me ask the question I was trying to get at. Do you think this could shift over the next years? Like, could there be a sort of power shift in that sense? Yes, uh, because as soon as inflation kicks in and you pay their salaries and the army and stuff, and you, you need to buy ammo from other countries as well, and as soon as the other countries and even your army realize that the dollar is not worth that much, they're going to demand more money. And United States will have to keep printing more money to pay higher wages and buying ammo and stuff until the inflation goes to a spiral upwards. And that's when the U.S. dollar will be not longer used as a global reserve. But I don't know how long it's going to take it, but first of all, we need to get out of this deep recession and come to a more normalized situation in order for this to happen. What would that look like and how long would that take? How do you think we're going to get out of this in the short term, mid term, long term? Mm. You mean for the dollar to, to stop I, being used as a global reserve or no, for I just, inflation to kick in? What I really mean is just the Corona crisis. I think we're just at a start. I don't know what your opinion is there. Yeah. And I'm wondering how do you see the world go on from here in the next months, years, maybe decades, whatever you want to. 
Thanks. So first of all, we need to understand the basic of economics. What causes economic growth? There are only two ways of achieving that. Either you increase productivity, right? Or you employ more labor, build more factories, buy more supplies to produce even more. But for that, you need demand, right? So I don't think that the demand side will increase anytime soon, not in the next year, not in the next two years, not in the next three years. So it's not really worth buying more supplies, creating more factories, adding more jobs. What we can do is increase productivity. Uh, technology is helping that. Uh, we're seeing that happening with uh, first with Walmart, killing out a small uh, business, then Amazon uh, making it more digital and more robotics and stuff like this. But th there's also the bad side of doing uh, increase of productivity by automation, which is unemployment. So maybe the UBI, the universal based income, it's gonna, it's gonna, we, we're gonna need to test it to see how it goes. Uh, but uh, for growth wise, for GDP, and that will be a good thing because we're spending uh, less energy to build more stuff, to create more services and more products if we increase productivity. So I think in the end, it's gonna be a good thing for the world in general, but a lot of people will be losing their jobs forever. You Why do you need, how many, what percentage of the American population work in retail? It's I like, have no, I have no like idea. 20%. It's, mm. it, it, in Brazil, it's like 30% works in, in, as a receptionist or a, a sales guy or replenishing inventories. So that's not a kind of the work that adds to the GDP. It, it really should be done. Sorry, I'm not sure I know what you mean. You think it should be Automated. Amazonized or? Yeah, Amazonized. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned um, universal basic income. Do you think it could work? I don't know. Uh, wh what I know is that uh, the path the governments are following to print money and wait magically that inflation will never come, that will, that will not work because we've seen that in Brazil not so long ago, 30 years ago. When I was a kid, we had hyperinflation, infl inflation of 4,000% per year. We had, we had inflation of 50% in one month. Just like Venezuela is happening, we used to have it 30 years ago. So I've seen it, the government trying to control, suppress prices and limit the price that you can sell stuff. Then you go to the supermarket and all the shelves are empty. I've lived that. I've seen it with my own eyes. People from Greece seen it. People from Iran seen it. People from Argentina are starting to see it. And that's going to happen in all the countries around the world. So yeah, yeah uh, you think you, you think we're going to see that in Europe and North America? Yeah, uh, if the if the government start expand continue to expand the monetary base in this rate, uh, what I think that's definitely going to happen over the next six months at least. As soon as the, the demand starts picking up, we're going to see a huge inflation, huge spike in inflation. Yeah. So then, how would universal basic income? work or how could it work could okay it work so, in bitcoin world i don't think bitcoin is necessary for the ubi to be tested what i think that uh, is the 
both the government and the company should be focused not on, today they focus on creating jobs, right? Every government, every president, their number one uh, agenda is we got to create employment. But is that what's the most beneficial for society? No. The most beneficial thing for society is, is increasing productivity. So the government and the company should laser focus on increasing productivity. And if that's not going to generate jobs, try universal basic income. But your focus yeah. should be GDP growth. It seems uh, like a backward reasoning is what you're saying. Yeah. 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 But I don't think cryptocurrencies are, are necessary to that. I think. Oh, uh, I, 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 I didn't uh, mean to ask if it was necessary. In fact, I asked the opposite. Like, could it work in a Bitcoin world? Wouldn't something like Bitcoin stand in the way of something like universal basic income if it can work at all? I don't think it's their conflict or uh, they could, they will be running in parallel. Uh, Bitcoin will be used f uh, mostly by, by countries that are uh, more socialist or more heavy on, like Argentina is limiting US dollar purchases for $200 a month per citizen. So Bitcoin is the perfect solution for those guys. Because instead of working for the government or for a local job for getting paid $50 or $100 per month, you can start working on the internet or, or do on computer and do, and do the same job getting paid $500 per month. Uh, so I think Bitcoin will be, will be used uh, more countries that are already uh, facing high inflation or these uh, government controls of, of cash flow. Right. So just to be clear, you don't necessarily think that universal basic income would also lead to high inflation necessarily. No, 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 no way. The worst thing that can happen is that, okay, the GDP is growing 10% per year, but our unemployment is 25%. That's going to lead uh, for social uh, uh, uprising for sure. 25% of the population, we're not going to be crossing arms and saying, well, okay, automation is, do is doing fine, economy is doing fine, S&P just went up 20% this month. It's, it's not going to be like this. So either you share these profits with the entire population, or it's going to grind to a halt again. But the problem, is, as I said earlier, the problem is that government are focused on the wrong things. They're focused on not having inflation, having employment, and trying to do social benefits for everyone that yeah. that should not be the focus well i find it interesting to hear you about speak about this because it's a very i i think it's a very controversial topic within the bitcoin space mm -hmm. universal basic income i've always been relatively open to the idea probably but um but i'm i, I guess i'm kind of undecided on it overall there's another way you can do for that cryptocurrency would be great. You can do micro jobs. So if, if a citizen reports a, a, a car that's parked, uh, parked outside the, the, the time or the, the limits, he could just send a picture with his smartphone to give the ticket and get paid 20% of this ticket fine, for example. So maybe cryptocurrency can work for micro permits, but again, they're not really necessary for this. Government could, could use their own payment system right all right i think we've been chatting for almost an hour now or not how long has it yeah. been 
Something like that, right? Yeah, that's yes. that's that's probably about the max I want my podcasts to be. Um, is there anything you want to shill in a couple of minutes or something sure. that we haven't mentioned yet, which you'd like to mention? Okay. So first of all, uh, I'm a BTC maximalist. I don't know if this has been said during the interview. Uh, second of well, all, your, your uh, Twitter handle is no shit coins. No shit I think. Coins. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've been fooled by Litecoin, by Bitcoin Cash, and even by Yota, Nano, this other non-blockchain stuff. Uh, but after you s spend time uh, digging in and doing your own research, you're going to learn that uh, those are just uh, smoke and mirrors to hide the trilemma that I said to you on chat, which is speed, uh, security, and what's the other one? I always forget. Store value, immutability. No. Uh, decentralization. So I think uh, Bitcoin maximalists, most of them are still like, uh, they see decentralization as a god. Uh, it shouldn't be. That's not the final place we're aiming to. My word, even for the BTC maxes and even for the other guys who follow other currencies, that decentralization is, is just, it's not the end goal. We should be reaching for immutability and for staying out of government or corporate uh, reach. There, there, there shouldn't be a, a single entity or a, a powerful entity like Binance or BitMEX that handle 20% of the transactions or whatever. We shouldn't go back to the Mt. Gox. We've been there, we've gone there. That's not gonna work. So either people uh, start realizing the importance of the, using VPN, Tor, of, uh, you doing coin join and stuff like this, or it's not gonna work. Uh, it's utopic uh, to think that uh, the solution will come from out of the air. Uh, people would simply one day wake up and see the need for privacy and stuff. That's, that's not gonna happen. Uh, on the other hand, if the, government, if the governments try to seize your Bitcoin or try to seize your money or try to seize your gold, then, they're going to start realizing. Humans are uh, non-reactive, non non-proactive. They don't seek new stuff and stuff like this. Only when they're in jail, they're going to be looking for alternatives. Most people. Yeah, most of them. We're very, we're very relaxed. I, I imagine that uh, people from Netherlands are really relaxed as the Brazilians are. We, we always think that things, things are going to get better in the future. And, uh, and a little bit better at football uh, over here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Marcel, we, we, I we, thought this was we, very interesting. We're not even having football games on TV, so I don't think how the population is managing to live without it. Oh, yeah. In Brazil, I guess there's no football either. Yeah. How's, how are people getting by these days? That, that must be the real tra tragedy over there. Yeah. All right, Marcel, this was very interesting. Thanks for being on. Aaron, thank you for your time. And anytime you want to chat or just call me. Cool. It was really nice meeting you. Thanks for the opportunity.